You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Baseball is finally back, and DraftKings has you covered. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is super easy to play. You just pick 10 players, stay under the cap, and pile up the points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There is no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. Baseball is not for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament with millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That promo code is THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. 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 Okay. The Sutter saga continues. One and one against the Jets thus far. Uh, We're going to break down the games, and then obviously we're going to get to the drama in between the games in terms of um, Daryl Sutter poking his players um, and and just get into a debate because I know it's stirred up a lot of reaction on Twitter. I'm sure it did on Instagram. And it, and it seems like it's split the fan base in terms of, do you like it? Do you not like it? And of course, we're talking about his comments about Johnny Gaudreau playing in his 500th game. Hopefully he has more energy than his 499th game. Um, so we'll get into that as well. Before we do this, um, this was this was shared. Well, Kent Wilson retweeted this or shared it out, but it's, it's Jay Fresh's five on five rush offense breakdown within the Canadian division, as well as the rush defense breakdown within the Canadian division. What did you think of this? Well, this confirms it's not even confirms it. It just shows what's been going on with this team, because I know if you've been listening to us for a while, We've been complaining that the Flames suck at, you know, defending the blue line and scoring off the rush. Yep. And so Jay Fresh, he's been using instats, privately tracked data, and the Flames are the worst team in the North Division at scoring off the rush. By a mile. By a mile. Um, but they're also the worst team at defending <laughs> off the rush as they have the most goals scored against them at five on five off the rush by a little bit less of a margin than Vancouver. So the, the worst team at scoring off the rush, worst team at getting scored on off the rush. So their neutral zone play sucks. Yep. And this, and this all comes back to 
look, we're going to be talking about 1819 for as long as we need to, right? In 1819, you were one of the best rush teams in the league. That's how you generated so much offense. That's how you generated so much success. Then you get punked in the playoffs and all of a sudden, eh, I don't think we'll do that anymore. Word the following season. Yeah. You heard, you saw what happened when we tried to be an offensive team. Yeah. Look at you now. So you try and completely rewrite your, your way you play your game. Totally focus on team defense, defense, tree living defense is our priority. Goaltending is our priority. We don't care about scoring goals anymore. And it's one, it's one thing if that's your priority and you successfully implement a, a yeah. priority that makes you a good defensive team. It's another when that's your priority and you suck at defense. You're the worst team at defending the blue line in the division. Yeah, that's where I'm going with this. It's like, okay, if you want to just, you know, not care about scoring goals anymore because you think you need to shore up team defense in order to beat Dallas – then you should be you shouldn't be last at defending the rush while you're also last at generating offense off the rush. This is absolutely absurd. Well, and, and this really came up in the Dallas series, right? Where it's like, why are the Flames just allowing free zone entries? Like, come on in, come right down in and get a chance off the rush, like collapse into yeah. the net. That's where it really started to happen. Well, yeah, and I mean, you saw it in full force. Those games where, you know, the series was hanging in the balance when Elias Lindholm couldn't couldn't uh, clear the zone from behind the net. And it's just like every single time Dallas got the puck, we just let them walk right in, right in. Come on in, come on in. Like, do whatever you want. And... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we always talk. This is where we're at right now as a fan base. It's like, how did we get here? You're you're battling with Ottawa to not be the worst team in the division. How? With this roster. And this is how we've got here. This is it. I mean, you and I, we've spent a lot of time, you know, breaking this down. You have to look at 1819 because you went from being the best team in, in the conference to right now, currently one of the worst. And for some reason, there was an internal, and I don't know how much, like maybe we should talk about this. Like, how much do you agree with this? That, oh, there was a big issue in 1819 and we weren't, we weren't good enough to win. Like that you had to change your, you had to completely change your system and style of play. Where you, and I mean, a lot of people are, I, every time I bring this up on Twitter, there are people that agree, that agree with the other side. They're like, yeah, well, if you look at the numbers right around that all-star break, they, everybody stopped scoring. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's true. And I think that at that time, I remember Bill Peters specifically talking about, well, it's this time of the year when, you know, teams start to give up less. So you got to be better defensively. Like, I didn't track it currently at the time because we were the best team in the league, but Bill started implementing changes around that time that's when our offense started to dry up. I don't even think our inability to score was the biggest issue against the avalanche. Do you like, it was the inability to, to, to not get dominated by the avalanche in our own end. No, it, it wasn't our inability to not score. It was the fact that we were too goddamn slow and our D and weren't good enough at defense. Like, and the, the problem is the flames went the other way with it. They got, 
Tree Living's lesson was we need to be tougher to play against. Come on. The reason you got dominated by the app, like, did anybody watch that series? Did Were they giving up 50 shots a game because they were too easy to play against? Or was it because the Avalanche had so much team speed and could just fly around the zone at will? That's why. And, and like, let's not also forget, from that series onward, the Avalanche have been in the top three in the league in teams. Yeah, like everybody's like, oh, that series against Colorado really broke the Flames' core. It's like, no, it broke the Flames' management who completely mis- misassessed uh, the situation poorly. Like, you got smoked by a way better team. That's what happened. That was like the coming out party for the Colorado Avalanche. And it's funny if you look at who they have, uh, like they've doubled down on what made them <laughs> good in that series where the Flames have gone the opposite way. You look at the players they've added, Guys who can skate, Devon Taves, Nazem Kadri, Jonas Donskoy. I mean, they drafted really well, so they got more defensemen like Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr. Like, they've gone the exact opposite where you look at who we, we've added and let go, and we've got slower, and yeah, we're tougher, but one team is one of the best in the league. The other team is, well, <laughs> one of the worst. And so, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a hard time agreeing with people who say that the flames fundamentally needed a change because the avalanche beat them. Yep. And going down that path as well as you look at, you're right. That's what tree living decided, right? Instead of getting more skill and more speed, we need more size and grit <laughs> for the I guess. and good in the locker room stuff. Like the swap for Neil and for the swap of Neil for Lucic, you know, is is such a microcosm of of Brad Schilling's overall assessment of this team. It's not even funny, right? Bringing in guys like Richie Nordstrom, um, you can tell Brad thinks that this team, the reason why Johnny Gaudreau can't score in the playoffs is because the rest of the team isn't tough enough, right? <laughs> and so you see the results they get in the following season, when the, when the team, <laughs> they're having a really hard time adjusting to that style. And we're going to get into this debate as well today in terms of, well, what about the core? Are they just a bunch of pansies, right? Maybe there's some truth to that. And I think our argument to that is, well, no, it's not that they're pansies. It's that they just haven't had the right coaching. Um, but if you're looking at the following season, 1920, they sucked right out of the gate. They obviously, the adjustment was not working. Bill Peters tried to change the system. It's the same. Jeff Ward just took what Bill Peters, the change he took and tried to run with that. We barely made the playoffs. Limped in. You beat a decimated Winnipeg Jets. Who scares you on the Jets? Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, at the time, Liney. They only had two of those guys. I mean, how could you... And their their back end was decimated. I mean, what sure, back end? Sure, you won the series against Winnipeg, and you, you actually beat did, you beat you the worst handily. defensive team in the league by a mile without their all without their two best uh, offensive weapons. Good job. <laughs> so you got to take that with a grain of salt, and I get it. You get a you get a. Do you call it a playoff series win? I don't know. There's debate I, about that, but technically, whatever. technically, I think they are calling that in the record books, but I, I don't consider it a playoff series win. 
Then you get to Dallas. And we saw it on full display, right? Tree Living's paradigm of what makes you successful in the playoffs. Because look at Sam Bennett, Lucic, and Dylan Dubé. That line was executing to a T what Brad Tree Living is convinced helps you win in the playoffs. Did it help us win games in the Dallas series? Yes. Did it win us a series? No. We got absolutely fucking dominated by all aspects. From game three onwards, it was a complete one-sided affair. It was basically Colorado series all over again. It, I would argue that it was worse, to be honest. Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I just remember those, you know, those last three games. Like, you're hanging on for dear life because the ice is completely tilted into your own end. You're allowing free access, like we mentioned, into your zone. And you just collapse, collapse, collapse. What we've seen all season so far, except we've seen changes in our Daryl so far. Collapse, collapse, collapse. Let everybody generate as much chances. Just hope that your tiny little cube can keep shots and chances to the outside and you can rely on world-class goaltending, which we had and still lost. So I don't know. This is why we come back to this. It's like, the assessment doesn't make any sense when you start stripping it down. And I get it. I'm not going to say, you know, the toughness thing, the size thing doesn't help you win. I think that does, but you can't, <laughs> you can't go all out on that, especially if that's not your idea, if that's not who you have. Like we see the skill that this team has, we've seen it in 1819. We saw what made them successful, their ability to score. Which is why it's so absurd and ludicrous to me that Jeff Ward the following season says, well, you saw what happened when we tried to be a scoring team. Yeah, we did. We won 50 games, bro. Like, look at the standings. Every once in a while, I just go and look at the standings in 1819. Just to remind me, like, when you see the Calgary Flames at the top of the league in wins, that's not a fucking fluke. Anyways, we harp on this so much, but we're still living in this reality. If you're looking at why are we in this situation we are now, I don't understand how you can't look at 1819 and the changes in management that were a response to that loss against the Avalanche and how it's just slowly, slowly, incrementally snowballed into where we are now. Well, yeah, and I just want to pick up on a thread you were talking about. It was like, it's not that, if you want to play tougher or whatever, you know, be harder to play against, right? Like going out and acquiring a guy like Lu Milan Lucic, like that's not going to get it done. Like I just look at how the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. What was the big addition? Oh, Ryan O'Reilly. You mean it wasn't Patrick Maroon? I mean, he 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 helped. He helped, he helped but he he wasn't the reason. If you want to play that way, you have to bring in guys who can play that way. If you want to play this heavy four check system, you can't you should, like that. That's the other thing, too, is like everyone's like, oh, James Neal saw like, well, they won 50 games with James Neal on the roster. Right. So. If you want to play a certain way, you can't just keep you can't throw Like, did you see Gaudreau? How many times has he got belted the last week? Like absolutely destroyed in the corner. Neil Pionk almost took his head off. 
in that first game against the Jets this week, like he's going to get massacred. Everyone's like, oh, he's such a pussy. He won't go into the corner. Like the guy's five, five, nine, whatever, weighs like 10 pounds. He's going to get creamed. So yeah. if you want to play that way, you got to get him somebody who can play that way who's not Brett Ritchie. So that's what frustrates me too is like, oh, it's just Johnny just committed to the, it's like, come on. He's going to get creamed. So it, again, we're in this situation because. Yeah. This like, if you want to create that debate, cause you hear it after every playoff series. Oh, Johnny's Johnny's too big of a weakling. So like, what do you want him to do? Start fighting guys. You want him to start, you know, beefing up, going to the gym. You, we would rather see Johnny Gaudreau try and take on guys that are 60 pounds heavier than him. Like, Look at like, like, look that's, at Paul that's not Korea. The, like when Paul Korea, yeah. like like he never won a Stanley Cup because he played on shitty teams his whole career. And he, I think Johnny Joe's a different player than Paul Korea, but I mean they're both small guys. And like, did any did anybody say to Paul Korea, like, oh man, when Scott Stevens almost murdered him, what a pussy. Wow, what a loser. He should he should bounce right back up and clock Scott Stevens in the head with it. It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, well, he he did get back up and then score. He a big did goal. score, but now he's got brain damage and yeah. So, but I mean, you know, we had Versteeg on. There's there's a lot of comparables comparables between Patrick Kane, Kane and Johnny Gaudreau, and we even asked him like, you know, what does this guy need to do in the playoffs? The answer is not beef up, you know, body check more, be more tougher. No, it's find more ice, right? And I think, like, if Johnny Gaudreau wants to have success in the playoffs, which he, we ha- he has, we have seen him have some success, but he needs better players around him, and he needs to find out, he needs to take his game to another level, which does not include being tougher, right? It's finding more ice. Like, look at Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's a bigger body than Johnny Gaudreau, but if you look at, you know, the Stanley Cup champions that, Stanley Cups that the, the Hawks won with Kane. Like, do you recall Patrick Kane mucking it up and like you know getting into fights and like, or do you just remember him just dominating the you know the scoreboard? And do you remember so, those teams being utterly stacked? And the only point I'm making here is like, if Johnny Gaudreau wants success in the playoffs, there's a way for him to do it, and it doesn't include being tougher, right? He has to be smarter and execute more, but he needs better line mates. And if you're going to, if Sean Monahan apparently can't play drive, all he can do is finish and tight. And he's hasn't been able to do that lately. And you, then you have Brent Ritchie. Like you watch the games right now, Johnny Gaudreau, if he's on a two on one with Brent Ritchie, he's like, I'm not passing to that guy. Well, he made a he made a really nice rush play uh, in the second game. I think it was the second game, um, and he had Richie wide open in the slot, puts it on his tape, and Richie buries it into like <laughs> the corner. If that's Lindholm or if that's even Josh Levo, you're getting a good scoring chance and likely a goal. So it's like he can only do so much. And I'm I'm trying to cool it on my like line mate criticism, right? Because. I've said this to you before. It's like, it's, it is really frustrating when they're losing and it's like, oh, there's Richie again. What a piece of shit. Shouldn't yeah. be out there. Like when they're winning, you don't notice it much, but I, it's a problem, right? Like, I'm not going to say it's the only reason that Johnny Gaudreau 
is having trouble scoring, but it is an issue. It's not a recipe for long-term success. Yeah, exactly. But just, you just kind of bringing this whole Johnny thing into, you know, a point. Yeah. Sorry. I brought this whole, I know you're talking about this. Is, I mean, if you're just looking at overall team success and it all comes down to playoff success and, you know, you have to look at the last few years and obviously you look at the Colorado series, the Dallas series, and it just, oh, everybody's, where was Johnny Gaudreau? Right? I mean, that's why we're having this conversation. And my whole defense of Johnny Gaudreau is, I still believe in this guy. I still think he can figure out a way to go to the next level. I think having the proper coach will help him. But also the GM's got to help him too. Right? And I think that the whole point I'm making here is that in the past two years, the GM has not done a good job of a assessing what this team needs, assessing what his best players need in terms of what does Johnny Gaudreau need. Do you think Johnny Gaudreau needs Dom Simone? Do you think he needs Milan Lucic? Do you think he needs Brett Ritchie? Is that what's going to make him a better player? Is that what's going to help him get to the next level? Is that what's going to help Johnny Gaudreau have playoff success and help this team get to another round? Is it? Of course it's not. That's the point I'm making, is that the overall assessment has been incorrect. And I don't understand how you go backwards from success and run away from success in the opposite direction. And then when you have the opposite results, you're in a situation where you're asking yourself, how did we get here? That's the point I'm making is when it comes down to talking about Johnny Gaudreau and how he fits in on this team. Yeah. And, and the team philosophy in general. And it's like, okay, now you are the worst, one of the worst scoring teams in the, in the division. And you're also one of the worst defensive teams in the division. And you're sitting there with your pants down. Well, I don't know how this happened. It's like, it's clear as day out happened. So here's the, 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 the stats, right. From Jay fresh. North Division, 5-on-5, rush offense breakdown. First in the division, Montreal. Second, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Ottawa. It just goes goes from blue to, like, bright red. Calgary, 32% of their goals, which they have the lowest amount of goals scored in the division, 32% of them come off the rush. Why? There is no rush. Jeff Ward... Bill Peters, Brad True Living, they, they, they annihilated it. No, we're just going to spend the game in, whole game in our own end. We think that'll help us win games. And Johnny Gaudreau, has, he's the leading rush scorer with four, which is probably all of the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. And then you compare that to, like we said, opening up making this point. If you want to go in the opposite direction from being a scoring team, Jeff Ward, you saw what happened when we tried to be a scoring team. I don't understand that statement. Yeah, we saw what happened. You're the best team in the in the conference, second best team in the league, second only to Tampa Bay. That's why I'm hung up on it. Cuz the assessment from management blows my fucking mind. But if you want to go in the opposite direction, then why are you also last at defending? If you made all these adjustments 
because, you know, you weren't good enough, you weren't tough enough, you know, you weren't able to, you know, protect your own net, your own end enough. Why are you last at defense too? That's the result you have to show for all these changes you made, for the assessment that you've made. This is where you've taken us. I don't get it. Yeah, and this is a direct correlate to the change in system because last year, I remember seeing a lot of private data that the Flames were one of the worst teams in terms of getting rush, rush goals scored against them. And no wonder they give up the blue line. Last year, they gave up the blue line more than any other team in the league. The only team who was in the same vicinity was, in the same vicinity was the Detroit Red Wings in terms of carrying uh, possessions allowed against last year. Detroit, Detroit Red Wings were the only one who were in the same realm <laughs> in terms of allowing zone entries. So they sucked at it last year. It burned them last year. And it burned them in the playoffs big time. And this year, it's burning them again. Over 50%, 53% of their goals that they have allowed at 5-on-5 five five have come off the rush. Compare that to the Leafs, who are the best team in the division at defending rush chances, 31%. The Flames are allowing a goal and a half per 60 minutes off the rush. It's insane. That's ridiculous. Last in the division. Worst. So not only to me, for the both of us, not only is your assessment completely off after 1819, the addressment, it's not even a word, but the addressing and the execution of what you of your assessment also sucked. So that's why we're in the situation we are. Snowballed. You had, I don't know, in my in my opinion, bad management decisions. Then Brad Tree Living doesn't go out and, and get actually what you really need more offense up front. Like, I don't mind having Jacob Markstrom, you know, especially for those first 10, 12 games we saw him. But you, this is the point you always make. It's like the allocation of that money probably should have went somewhere else. And like, like you were texting me, what's Markstrom's numbers currently? Well, in his last 10 games, his save percentage is in the shitter. In his last 13 starts, he has an 881 save percentage. In the last 13 starts, 881. 881. Currently, amongst starting goaltenders, he's 21st in goal saved above expectations. That's in the same realm as guys like Martin Jones and <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood. It's not great. And I'm not trying to shit on Jacob Markstrom, but I'm just saying, like, well, you're talking about the assessment of what was wrong with this team. And my initial concern with giving Markstrom this insane amount of money is that you have so many other problems elsewhere. Like, would you be a better team right now with Tyler Toffoli and TJ Brody and David Riddick as your starting netminder? I would say probably yes. Because probably be a better defending team. Well, <laughs> and well, you'd be able you to get... score a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, maybe if, if you said your 1A is Riddick, your 1B is Talbot still, I would say yeah. yes. You would, you would be. So again, organizational assessment and like, where did this, where did this goalie and defense thing come from too? Like Brad, that was Brad's assessment after the Dallas series. So his assessment of the Colorado series was we need to be tougher to play against Lucic. His assessment of the Dallas <laughs> series was we need to get more defensemen and a better goalie. And yet they still suck at both. <laughs> this year so it's just con consistent management mistakes 
and in, got- an inability to assess this the the realities of the situation or unwillingness to and execution as well yeah <sighs> um I, like that's to me that's why we're here it's it that's 80 percent of the reason the remaining 20 is the players haven't been good enough yeah right but this is why we're always management first i mean there's it seems to be one of the biggest debates no it's the court the players but that for all these reasons this is why we believe it's it's not i think it's 80 i think it's 80 percent Management is the reason why we're in this situation. 20% on the players. And look, this game's all about momentum, right? So there's momentum within shifts in games, but there's also momentum within seasons. And Jeff Ward has absolutely killed any momentum. Um, you saw a little bit of a surgence under, under Sutter those first three games. But I just think that there's so much work that needs to be done with this group, we'll get into it in terms of, you know, some of the, you know, the, the mental, the, the mental things that he's, that he's saying in between the games in terms of trying to get more out of these players. Um, whew, but this rush thing, man, to me tells 99% of the story, in my opinion, in terms of why we're, where we are. Well, yeah. And I'm really curious to see how the blue line defense um, changes. Yeah. Over the next, the, the, the tail end of the season under Daryl. Yeah. Because I, like, that's been the, again, like the rush offense is something we've been annoyed about forever, but the fact that they allow so many chances off the rush is probably the bigger issue when you're supposedly supposed to be a defensive hockey club. Yeah. If the reason why you sit, you don't want to score on the rush anymore is so that you can prevent goals off the rush. Then why you suck at both? Unbelievable. And I mean, again, um, in those first three games, you saw a lot. The gaps were a lot better. They were holding the blue line a lot better. That's, that's like, the first. That's the first time all season I've seen D men actively hold the blue line um, to prevent players from entering the zone. Yeah, and it's kind of fizzled out in the last few games. So. Yeah, and like I and I think a part of that is like there's only so much Daryl can do in a short amount of time with no practice. Like you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season unfolds and if if these numbers get any better. I still believe Sutter will, can and will, clean up this team um, and we'll see better numbers down the stretch. And you keep pointing this out. The reason why I think that, you know, we've talked about the success that Daryl's had in his career. It hasn't been a fluke. It hasn't just been because he's a dick. The guy knows hockey. It hasn't just been because, you know, all he knows is defense and, you know, all the offense is going to dry up. No. I mean, we've seen that in the last four games, um, last five games. And I think it has a lot of people worried, but I'm not worried. I still believe that this guy knows what he's doing. It's going to take time. And the re- here's some of the reasons, right? When you hear him talk about this team and his assessment, he's not talking about emotion. He's not talking about, oh, these guys don't hate to lose. He's not talking about all these, like, you know, ephemeral things that are just like, how do you even grasp onto it? Right? Here's here's what he says about the rush game. Most of our scoring chances came off the forecheck. This was after 
the first Winnipeg game. And man, they only played on the perimeter that whole game. He goes on to say, when you don't have chances off the rush, you're not, that means you're not moving the puck fast enough and you're not moving your feet fast enough. So what that tells me is that Dale Sutter is not necessarily saying, don't ever carry the puck into the zone, only dump it in, right? What he's saying is that if you can carry the puck in, you have a green light. That's that's how I take it. But if if you if that's going to be the game you want to play, here's the things that you need to do. Um, when he says stuff like that, it tells me that he understands what's going on. And I don't know. I still think we'll see the adjustments made. Well, and I think it, it maybe is a bit of a false equivalency to say, oh, they're only playing dump and chase. Like the Flames are going to be a four check team under Daryl Sutter. Make no mistake. But I think he wants them to make better decisions with the puck at the blue line at the end of the day. More yeah. so than just always dumping in. He's not tell- he, like he's not telling Johnny Joe, hey man, if you have a clean zone entry, don't take it. Make sure you dump it in. Like there's no way he's saying that. Yeah. But he he wants he does probably doesn't want them you know screwing around at the blue line and giving the puck away. Um, and I can get behind that. Yeah, and I mean in game two against Winnipeg, you did see much more. Uh, the team carried the puck in much more. Than in game one, even those two goals, even though I don't know what Brissot was smoking. Oh, dude. But the Mangiapani goal is off the rush. The Sam Bennett goal is off the rush, essentially. Right. Even though they were two and ones, they carried the puck in instead of dumping it in and they scored. Yeah. Um, you did see Johnny Gaudreau carrying the puck in more. I thought you did see the team overall carrying the puck in more. They still were working on their forecheck but it seems to me like there was a bit of an adjustment in game two. Well, and the thing too, with like the rush and the forecheck and all that stuff, like <clears throat> what I'm curious to see is just because Daryl mentioned it. And I think it was his first press conference. He was talking about how Tampa Bay kind of adjusted their style um, between the seasons where they got swept by the, the blue jackets and then won the cup. And yeah, it's true. If you, if you look at how the lightning play, they do play a very heavy forecheck game. It's not like they're not, they're not like the Oilers. They're not scoring off the rush a ton or even to the extent the Leafs are the lightning do play probably a lot more similar to the Islanders than I think people think. I don't watch a ton of lightning games, but I will tune in from time to time. But Daryl did mention, and I know you and I talked about this in the off season um, when we were looking at how Jeff Ward could adjust the flames neutral zone play specifically, obviously he didn't do it. (laughs) Um, but we were saying, like, could they do what the Lightning did and, right. and kind of start implementing that neutral zone system and, and generating chances off the cycle? And they certain the Flames didn't, but I think that's maybe what Daryl's trying to get them to do. So I, I don't, <clears throat> I'm curious to see how the last few games play out here of this season. But my guess would be he's trying to play a system like the Tampa Bay Lightning play which is not, they don't generate a ton of their offense off the rush. They do it within the cycle and they do it by controlling the neutral zone. So I'm curious to see if we see more of that. And if you're curious what I'm talking about, go watch some lightning games, go see how they play. Cause they, they do play similar to the way that like Barry Trotz has the Islanders play in the neutral zone. It's, it's, it's a similar style. So if you want to play the way, fuck, if you want to play the, if you want to model your system after the New York Islanders, do it. Fuck. Yeah. I want to win games. Don't you? Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. That So that game one was a, was ugly. That was gross. 
Um, you went back to what I'm going to call the playoff lines, the bubble right? lines with Lindholm, you know, back with Monty and Johnny, Lucic with Bennett and Dubé, and then the 3M line. Um, but that they sucked in game one against the Jets, they sucked. They were everybody that was probably the yeah, that was absolute dog shit. Absolute dog shit. Um, you had you go down two one. You actually had a chance to make a game of it in the third until Lucic. He he is good for one hit from behind a game now. Hey, seems. Well, and I I like how they made it sound like oh he's going after because the guy hit the draw. He's just retribution. Like no, it isn't. He's just a moron. So not only do you take a stupid penalty. Late in the game when you're trailing, you take two. <laughs> then your team is about to kill it off. Like I, I, I was certain they were they were about to kill that off. Yeah, totally. Then Markstrom shoots the puck over the glass. <laughs> I guess that's what six mil a year gets you. Eh? I don't understand who, like, why anytime a goalie comes out of his crease to play the puck, it's a like 99% of the time, it's a bad decision. It's, it the, never with, works. Like with the speed of the players and the game nowadays, like what do you expect? You're, you have a blocker and a glove with a goalie stick. You, you think you're going to be able to make tape-to-tape passes and like... If I was uh, a coach of a team, I would say, I don't care if it helps the team out once in a while. You are never allowed to leave your net. If I see you out of the crease, you're not playing. That's would be my rule. Because it yeah. never works. It Maybe it works one out of ten times, but the other nine out of ten times is a complete disaster. Stay in your net! Like, I don't mind if, if the puck's getting rimmed around. You get out there and you stop it. Sure. But... To, to get behind your own net handling the puck, like even Riddick, right, was doing it last game. It's It seems like every time they do it, it doesn't work. And yes. I'm not like... Don't, don't do it. And I will say about the Lucci's thing, like dumb penalties, the officiating in that game was absolutely horseshit, though. Like When isn't it? It's always terrible, but like he shouldn't be doing that. And that's what bugs me too. Is like after these two games, everybody's been talking about how Gaudreau sucks. Gaudreau sucks. It's like, look at Lucic's last two games. He was the worst player on the ice for both of those games, easily. And I'm not trying to make this into a Lucic hate session, but I'm just saying, like the double standard between how much everyone will come and defend Lucic and then shit all over Gaudreau is just mind blowing to me. Dumb penalties cost you that game. I kind of felt like you were getting back into it. Finally, late in the game, you make it 3-2. I actually really liked that Chucky goal um, because my whole thing is you watch that first game against the Jets. It's a perimeter. It's a perimeter game. Totally perimeter. You're in their end, and all you're doing is you're passing the puck around the perimeter. You go up to the point. The point goes D to D. They put it back to the half boards. Then you throw it down low. Then you pass it behind the net. Then you throw it back to the half boards. Then you throw it back up to the point. Like on and on and on. Like, oh, I think we've got a shooting lane here. I'm going to shoot from the blue line. Oh, no, didn't get through. Oh, we got the puck back. Okay, bring it back to the half. It's just like penetrate. You have to make chances. You have to get chances in the center of the ice. You have to get chances in front of the net. 
So finally, I don't get what these guys' problem is where they just decide, okay, we're going to play hockey in the last five minutes. That's when we'll start pressing. Whether we're winning or losing, I mean, that's when we'll when that's that's when we'll start playing hockey. Well, and that's but, what Daryl said after the game too. He was like, "Oh, did you like the urgency in the last few minutes?" He's like, "Well, you should add urgency from the drop of the puck, you idiots." Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to the, his post game. <laughs> I thought it was awesome, but I, I really, to me, that's the and this is the thing: if goals aren't coming, you have to get greasy. I mean, we, you and I, we played the, we we played uh, the, that street hockey tournament last summer. It's like you're playing a team that's really good defensively. It's like you're not getting rushed chances. You have to muck it up. You gotta get greasy. That was a good greasy goal, right? Great pass from Lindholm. Chucky's in the right place at the right time. Good chip right in front of the net. Yeah. Greasy. Like you have to score goals like that. Well, yeah, and that that game, like you said, perimeter. They control possession that game. But they got out high danger chance and they didn't get they pretty much nothing from the slot. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. What were the what were the actual game stats for the game one? 30 flames uh shot attempts by the flames were 42 to 36. Scoring chances favored the Jets 20 to 16. High danger chances favored the Jets nine to six at five on five. That's the difference right there, nine to yeah. six. So not nearly enough. And it was the same the previous game. Like, look at the look how low event the previous game against the Senators won. The Flames only had three high danger chances in that 3-1 loss to the Senators. Come on. Get it to the net, you guys. So after the game, Daryl says, we had some real dopey players in the first period. It cost us the game. I mean, they, they got back, back in it, losing by one. Um... How did you feel about it? It doesn't matter. We had some real dopey players in the first period. So it cost us the hockey game. So it was that start that was the problem? Yeah, the start of some of our players, as I said, we had some dopey players that didn't wake up till we were down a goal. Which I was- love it. I don't know about you. Like, I don't think this really triggered anybody. It was the Johnny quote more than anything. Um, but you think Ward, have you had, did you hear Ward ever say anything like this? Nope, just no. need to be a, just need to work harder. Sorry, need to hate to lose. Need to hate to lose more. I love the dopey guys. <laughs> they were there, a bunch of dopes out there. Like, did you even see Lindholm on the opening face off of that game? Yeah. He's like, he, what's he doing? So then, and here's the stats for if you want to know how Johnny was in his 499th game, he was bad. So this is Salim Nadim. Valji after the game tweets tonight, the Gaudreau Monahan Lindholm line combined for four shots. If you're going to reunite Lindholm with those two guys, they need to produce offensively because now you're taking Lindholm off the other line. That becomes your, you know, your most reliant line in terms of generating offense Four shots on yeah, goal. That line was rank. Johnny Gaudreau had a rough night. He says, Several errant passes and his 33% Corsi was the lowest among forwards, according to Natural Statric 5v5 stats. Then, um, you know, pre-game, game two, Sutter's asked about Johnny playing in his 500th game, career milestone, 
Instead of any accolades, he says hopefully he has more energy than he did in his 499th game. 100 games tonight at the NHL level. I'm just wondering, you know, mostly as a guy who's coached against him and now working with him, what uh, what have your kind of impressions been of the career he's made so far? And, and then what are you looking to see out of him now at this point? Well, if you're just basing on his 500th game tonight, hopefully he has more energy than in his 499th game. Okay, your reaction. I know I, this this ruffled a lot of feathers. People on Twitter were up in arms. Um, not everybody. It seemed to me it was kind of a maybe a 50-50 split. I personally love this shit. I don't know about you. Well, I was, as you know, I was texting. I was having a bit of a crisis of confidence this week with Daryl Sutter. She has like yeah. the Brett Ritchie shit. The fact that they are sucking. Well, one thing you said to me is interesting is that you're just confused. And I think that I think confusion right now is could definitely be a good thing because what it means is that we're we're seeing things that we haven't necessarily seen before in a sense where we understand we understand it, right? Um, because what we've seen bad player personnel decisions in the past, we know it's because of a bad coach. But we, but if we're looking at Daryl, we're like, okay, well, we know he's a good coach, but he's making decisions. Then there's probably a different reason to why he's doing it. You just looked at the Lions for tonight. It looks like Monty Pony's on the fourth line to start the game, anyways. And I don't think that Daryl is necessarily um, making personnel decisions right now, other than any other reason than to get guys going, to send messages. To, to spark fires under guys' asses because look at what's happened otherwise. Well, and that's what I was going to say when you kind of, you know, told me that, calm me down a bit. <clears throat> because again, what have the results been otherwise, right? What Those, else? Are, they've been what, shit. They've been shit. These guys don't show up ready to play games. They don't put in a full 60 minutes. If they do, everybody's like, holy, a 60-minute game. Wow. It's like one in every 15 games, you get a 60 minute games and everybody's like, should that not be the norm? I know that's the expectation that Daryl Sutter has. I don't understand how that's not your expectation. These guys are professional athletes. You're getting paid millions of dollars to what show up for 10 minutes in a game to show up in the last five minutes and just press at the end of a game. We fucking break. Like, I don't care if they're millennials and, oh, this is going to hurt someone's feelings. Too fucking bad. You get paid way too much fucking money. You have way too many people invested in this shit to care about hurting people's feelings at this point. If there has been results, otherwise, maybe. But what's the alternative? More of the same? Give me a fucking break. Exactly. Like, what else do you want? Right. Like, they, these guys have sucked for a year and a half as much as been coaching. So, the thing that I liked the most about it was Johnny Gaudreau's response. He comes out, plays a good game, and said after the game, Yeah, I heard it. I know when I'm not playing well. I've been playing this game a long time. Yeah, I heard it. Um, didn't think much of it. Um, you know, I know I've been playing hockey for 24, 25 years now. Um, and uh, I know when I haven't played well, and I know when I have played well. And, um, you know, personally, 
Uh, it's been going up and down throughout this season. Obviously, not finding the net sometimes and stuff like that. But um, for me personally, I try to work as hard as I can each night for those 23 guys in that locker room. I played for a long time with a lot of those guys in that locker room. So, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are really happy for me after tonight. And uh, it was a special night. It was a great night to to win tonight on, you know, playing my 500th game. That's that's awesome. And to do it with probably six, seven, eight guys in that locker room that I've been with since I've been here is, is pretty special too. So, yeah, I, I liked what Johnny said. I liked how he responded to it. And you know what? Like, I'm pretty sure Daryl liked what he responded how he responded and dare again it doesn't come it's not a mind game to me right yep it's not like this weird nebulous ephemeral stuff like with jeff ward where it's like sam bennett doesn't know why he's not playing blah 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 like daryl said he needs to be better it wasn't good last game right and then post game daryl says he was much better tonight i think his pace was better which it was and quite honestly he says it was his best game he's played since i joined the team so Hey, if, if you want to call out players when they're not performing and like, it's funny how, is this shocking to anybody? Yeah. Like I who, mean, Dar- who's mind blown over Daryl Sutter being a dick. And when, when Daryl Sutter was hired, like it, it was pretty obvious that we can expect this stuff. He's going to publicly hold people accountable. And it seemed at the time everybody was behind that. It's like, yeah, okay, finally. You know, tree living is always going on about accountability. This is what accountability looks like. And Daryl's not doing it because he's on an ego trip. He wants his team to win. And he knows Calgary Flame success means Johnny Gaudreau is having success. And if he's going to come out and not play great, it's not going to be good enough. And it's not even like, here's here's my biggest thing. It's, it's not even, you know, Daryl, like, trying to put more pressure on Johnny, you know, whatever, so the team's better. He's trying to get the most out of Johnny. At the end of the day, he wants what's best for the individual, right? He knows that you got to squeeze the orange out of this guy. The players want that too. Even though they don't like being called out publicly, deep down, they want to be better as well. Everybody does. It's human nature human desire. It just so happens that there's a really effective way if you're a coach in life or in sports. One of the ways you get more out of people is you hold them accountable. And when you're, they're not giving you what you expect from them, you let them know. That's what Sutter did. He, he wasn't even that big of a dick. I get it. It's his 500th game. You think Sutter cares about 500 games? How many games does this guy play in the NHL? How many games has he coached in the NHL? What's a 500-game milestone in your career if you have no playoff success? Like this guy, his measurement of what success is is not average. He's got winning instilled in him. That's his vision. (laughs) He said it straight up. He wants to win a Stanley Cup with this team. You think you're going to win a Stanley Cup when your best players show up, you know, 80% of the time and 80% of that time they show up for, you know, 60% of the game. Just not going to happen. These are, these are habits that have formed over time in the last few coaches that we've had. And Daryl Sutter is here to end 
all those habits, all those patterns. If you look at the lineup tonight, I'm not even upset right now that Manji plays on the fourth line. Outside of the last game and his goal, he's better last game. But, man, I'm looking at – a lot of these times when I come on the podcast, I look at our texts, you know, in-game to get a feel for where we were at. <laughs> you and I were both like, is Manji Pine just suck now in game one against the Jets? It looked like he had given up, thrown in the towel. So – this last two podcasts, we've been saying this. It looks like Daryl's putting these guys through the ringer. It looks like he's breaking their will. We're seeing a different style of coaching than we have. We've called for this. We all wanted this. Maybe not everybody, but I know we did. Now we're getting it. So just keep that in mind, everybody listening. If it's it's ruffling your feathers, just give it a bit of time. See if it's effective, because I think it is. Yeah, and it's like... I'm feeling uncomfortable, right? Like I texted you, I was like, I'm confused. I don't get it. You know, I love Johnny Gaudreau. You know, I have a soft spot for him. Probably a bit too much, a bit too soft of a spot for him. So when I heard Daryl say that, I was like, mm, what a dick. He's ruining his 500th game. Oh, and I was like kind of annoyed. But then it was like what you were saying. Who gives a shit? Do we want to win or not? What's better? Winning or celebrating game like and it wasn't even that big of a shot so like again why people are shocked that a guy who was coming to do just this is doing just this it shouldn't be a shock it's what he was brought here to do and the thing is too is like he's not doing it because he's a dick yeah exactly he's doing it because a he wants to win b he knows how to win and c it all has to do with the performance of your players so it's accountability measure how did Johnny play in game 500? Pretty good. Excellent. I don't know if that's his best game under setter or not, but it was one of them. Um, he had pace. I think that's the biggest thing. And you keep saying this. When you listen to Daryl talk, at least he's talking about things that actually make sense. Like Johnny played with more pace. He definitely did. When is the, When do you see the best in Johnny Gaudreau? When he's playing with pace. Absolutely. When you, That's how he drives play. Right, weaving and bobbing and weaving through the neutral zone, bobbing and weaving into the offensive zone. The fact that he's he's got Nordstrom on the third. Nordstrom was good last game. Michael Stone was good last game. These are two players coming back into the lineup that everybody's like, oh my god, they were they were probably two of our better players. I'm not saying that that's a long term solution, but we have to. Here's where I'm at. It's just like when you know someone knows how to win and they're doing things that seem unorthodox and we're not used to them, we can't just pile on and be like, oh, it didn't work out for one game. we got to give it some time. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. I'm trying to – because, again, like a lot of these things don't make sense to me. Like Manjapani on the fourth line tonight pisses me off. I – it initially when I see it, I'm like, that is so dumb but it has to be proven in the long-term. That's where I'm at right now. It's all about the long-term. And I don't, I'm sitting here. I'm like, he's not putting Manji upon in the fourth line because he thinks he's a fourth line player. And he thinks that Nordstrom's better. I think I look at this and I say, he's sending messages to everybody. Well, and Lucic is on the quote unquote fourth line tonight. What did he say about um, Dubé and Valimaki? After this, after game two against the Jets, somebody asked him, I think it was Pike. Pike asked him, why those two guys? And he says, 
they have to be better players for us. Okay is not okay in this league. For tonight's game, were there any particular reasons why those two players, Dubé and Balanaki, were the guys that you rotated out? You gotta be better players for us. Okay is not okay in this rocket. Like, finally, somebody is coming in and saying, okay is not okay. And not only is he saying it, he's backing it up with his actions. These guys are out of the fucking lineup now. It, isn't that, and again, it's it's hard because it's like Dubé and Valimaki, and it's like it's the young guys who are getting shit, right? That's why I think it's harder for for a lot of us who are like, ah, this is dumb. It's because it's like, oh, he's just picking on the young guys, putting in the veterans. We'll see how this plays out, but like that's a standard. Like, isn't that what we wanted? We wanted somebody to come in and change the change the culture of this team and make it known that yeah, it's not okay to be okay. We are here to win a Stanley Cup. We're not here to fuck around. Exactly. We've all wanted. That's what we're getting. I mean, my biggest thing coming into game two against the Jets was okay. This is really the first time Daryl's done it. He's waited. Right? He's probably waited to build. Some rapport with these guys. How many games has he had now? Eight? Ten? It's been ten games, has it? So he waited nine games to come out and publicly start calling people out, calling his team a bunch of dopes, <laughs> telling, telling, saying Johnny Gaudreau didn't have energy. And my biggest thing was, okay, I know everybody's freaking out, but let's just see how they respond. They responded with the best game we've seen since one of the first three games in the, in the last stretch, right? And I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but I know that it worked for that game. Now let's continue to see what happens next. Well, and we also know that the pre this is this is the best point I've heard. It's it's not it didn't work previously. You got to change something, right? It wasn't working before. Like everyone's like, oh. He's making changes. Yeah, because what has this team done in the last year and a half? Dick all. Well, sweet dick all. Sucked ass dick all. You want to change? We got a guy who's not, <laughs> who is willing to make changes when necessary. So I'm totally happy to see how this plays out, even though it goes against all my instincts, even though if Jeff Ward did it, I'd probably be like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> What a loser. Yeah, well, that's what we were saying. But I think it's just like, you know, you say you're confused and I'm confused, but I think that's a good thing. I don't look at that as being like, uh oh, I think it's like, oh, this is interesting. This might actually work. Let's see. And like, the thing is, is like, you just have to, it's right now, it's game by game, it's period by period, and it's shift by shift. And yeah. that's, and I mean, that's a cliche we hear all the time. I mean, but Sarah Sutter mentioned that right off the hop. It's like, we're going to do this shift by shift. So you have to see how his adjustments and how his tactics work. And you can't look at it right now. It's like, oh, Manji Pawnee is going to be in the fourth line. We're never going to make the playoffs now. It's like, we're not going to make the playoffs anyways. And, and again, he is, all these things that he's doing are not so that we can win tonight. Right. They're, he's playing a long-term game right now in terms of he's establishing a culture in this dressing room. He's establishing a culture within this organization. And these tactics, my, my tactics might seem unorthodox. They might seem counterintuitive. But I just have a really strong feeling 
that this guy knows what he's doing and it's going to work. Because how else do you hold players accountable other than taking away and giving ice time? That's that's basically the only thing. You can go out and um, you know publicly criticize or compliment players, and he did both in a matter of 24 hours. Right, criticized Johnny Gaudreau when he wasn't getting what he what he expected from him, complimented him when he did. So that's all you can really ask for, right? Being fair on either side. But the number one way that you can really hold players accountable, take away their ice time and give it back. So to me, when I look at this lineup right now and the changes he's made, even though some of it seems counterintuitive, even though it's ruffling feathers, um, even though it has people confused, I think um, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And again, what's the alternative? We suck anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, look, before the last game, when we got the lineup that Val Mackey and um, Dubé were out and Stone and Nordstrom were coming in, that was my, that was where I was. At. I was like, Hey, they suck anyways. What difference does it make? So let's give this some time and see how it plays out. So yeah. all I'm saying. That game, we controlled the majority of the game. Um, I think if game two I'm talking about, yeah, what was it? Deserved to win a meter. We win that game 75% of the game. We got lucky goals, uh, but we did penetrate the center of the ice a little bit more. We had more scoring chances. Maybe it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that was a bet that again, that was probably the closest game, like you said, to the first three. Flames yep. have 52 shot attempts to the Jets, 28 at five on five. They had 21 uh, to 13 in terms of scoring chances and seven to five in terms of high danger chances. You still want to see them generating a little more dangerous chances for sure, but you controlled the puck. You did a decent job defending. Sure, you got some lucky goals, but I think you win that game more often than not. They played pretty well. And look, the changes, the biggest thing for me was how that first period they responded because either the players were going to be like, poor us. We don't want to play for this guy and keep giving us more of the same where they don't show up and just kind of look like they're a lost and B don't care. Cause that's what we saw the previous five games before that, but they responded. So whatever he's doing, um, you know, the buttons that he's pushing that team came out, the flames came out in the first period, ready to play. What we got another was another, another two goal lead. Every time we get a two goal lead, we win so far under Sutter. Yeah. And I, their first period was easily the best period. Five head eater chances, eight scoring chances. Like it was a solid first period. They lose the lead pretty quickly in the in the in the second period, and then to me, this is just a, a sign of a team that is going through a lot, right? That obviously, when you when you get a goal, or you get a lead in a game, you never want to lose it. I mean, that's in a perfect world, but it's the National Hockey League. The Jets are a great team too, um, but you don't want to lose that lead in seven minutes in the second period. So, and I mean, look, both those goals. The first one's a lucky bounce, right? You you kind of they scored 
you you kept the Jets to a hand like a small amount of chances in the first period. Then they come out in the second period in seven minutes. They only have two scoring chances. They're not high danger, but they score on both of them. So you kind of look at the goalie. You're like, oh man, you got to make one of those saves. But the first one's a lucky bounce. The second one's just a bad breakdown. Lucic is on for both of them. Um, the guy gets that that guy's freakishly tall. What's his name again? Uh, uh, uh they wouldn't stop talking about him. I can't remember now. What the hell <laughs> is his name? Stanley Sorry, Logan Logan's Stanley. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stanley. Yeah. Um, he gets he gets too he gets alone too long, and if you get a these guys are NHL players, right? They're the best in the world. If they get enough time alone, close enough to the net, they're, they got a good chance of scoring. And that's what you saw. It was a great shot. So I didn't like that, obviously. Um, you lose your lead, you blow it, and then you come back. This is where we're at. We're so fickle right now um, in terms of being able to handle watching this team that you think they're going to blow it. But then in the third period, they respond again come out with a couple lucky goals, but they still won and then shut it down. So um, hopefully they start Brissois next game tonight. Eh? Yeah, I know. Right. Like what, what is he smoking? Like, honestly, what was he doing? That um, the Bennett goal. I mean, the, okay. The Manchu Pony goal went off a stick. As, as we've learned, those are really hard to save. Right. Cause they changing direction. I mean, as a goal, you're reading the puck coming off the guy's stick. So when you're reading that and then in a millisecond, it starts changing in another direction. I still don't think his position was great. But then the Bennett goal, oh, that looked like Broder against the Avs. Hey, eh? was that the Avs? Oh, yeah. That, no, against the uh, – I was thinking, yeah, that is the Avs where he kind of puts it in his own net. It might have been against the Ducks or something in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, he goes out to play the puck. And he's a, he drops his stick and the stick yeah. – the puck bounces off a stick <laughs> through his legs. It. Yeah, that was just like – that reminded me of that. Yeah, that was bad. But they the thing is they actually had a bit of a rush game last night. It was effective. Um I don't know. I think you're seeing all these little adjustments. The biggest thing you're seeing is Daryl holding these guys accountable publicly. Um, and I get it. It might not work. Maybe we don't like, maybe, you know, the world is where it is, where these guys can't handle it. Um, but what's the other alternative? We, we've well, seen, yeah. we've seen the other, other alternative in the last three, five years. So this, to me, this is what everybody's saying is that this is this course last chance. If they can't get it done under this type of coach, someone that's going to hold them accountable, I think it'll work though, because like you always say, these guys are too coachable. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen Johnny Giro dumping the puck in every time he gets it? This, again, all these moves feel like they're for next year. Yeah. Or not even for next year, but for the future. Like you said, he's not thinking about, oh man, we got, like, I'm, he is obviously, but everything he does is part of a longer game. And again, like people like me, I, I was confused. I'm sure I'm frustrated as shit to see Mike Stone in on over Yusuf Alamaki. I don't want to watch Michael Stone play. I want to watch Yusuf Alamaki play. But I also really want this team to win games. I trust Daryl Sutter has won enough at the highest level to know what he's doing. And it, again, his only goal is to win the Stanley Cup. Everything he's doing is foundational probably for next year and just to give these guys a real foundation for once. So that's what I'm holding on to right now. Yeah. And like, what other choice do we have? We're yeah. stuck with Sutter anyways. Um, and I, 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 this, 
And listen, like, is the biggest issue with this team, like, are they going to win the Stanley Cup if Yusuf Alamaki sits out or if Michael Stone's in for a few games over Yusuf Alamaki? Is that going to be the difference? Or is it deeper than that? Exactly. So. And I mean, everybody said this. We're going to actually, Sutter will end the debate once and for all. Is this core good enough or not? I think people have already come to a conclusion on that. I still haven't. That's why I'm I'm really intrigued with what we're seeing right now. Because this is, is either going to be the thing that they need and have needed all this time, or they are just not good enough. Okay, last thing to discuss here. Uh, you sent me this yesterday. Again, Johnny Gaudreau, right? Through 500 career games with the Flames in franchise history, he sits number number six all time with uh, points. Kent Nielsen, number one. Theo Fleury, number two. Joe Newendike, number three. Guy Schwinnard, number four. Al McInnes, number five. Johnny Gaudreau, number six. It's funny how it's just like, you know, if you were like, oh, man, if we had Al McInnes, how much better would we be? If we had Joe Newendike, how much better would we be? If we had Theo, like, we have Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, it's, it's just perspective. It's going to be looking back to 20 years from now and looking at that list and going like, they had Gaudreau? Oh, man. Yep. So good. Like, say meanwhile, he gets- meanwhile, everybody wants to trade him currently. I wonder if it's always been like that. Like, like when when we had Theo, yeah, Nielsen, Newendike, Schwenard, McInnes, were people like, we got to trade McInnes, man. Did you see his turnover he had the other night? <laughs> Fuck, that was brutal. Like, I don't know. Has it always been like that? <laughs> sure doesn't feel that way. No, it doesn't. Anyways, Anyways, hell of a fight. It's been, I say this all the time. I think, I think it's because we've never really had a guy like Gaudreau in Calgary. Like when I was a kid, the flames sucked so bad. And all I like, I watched guys like Medano and Paul Correa and Peter Forsberg and just these guys who were so good. And it was like, fuck, if we could ever have a guy like that. I mean, like we, it was a pleasure to watch a Ginla play, but he was not that kind of player. It's been so nice to have a guy who's so goddamn skilled on the team for so long. So it's been a, it's been a fun 500 games, even if everybody else doesn't think so. I sure shit do. Yeah. And I honestly think that, you know, the decline of Goudreau in the last couple of seasons has been a, to what we talked about earlier, yeah. the, change, the change in approach to this team, how they want to play. And then B, mediocrity sets in really fast, just, just like in everything, just like in life. I mean, if you want to, you know, you know, bad habits in your own, think of in your own life, they set in fast, right? And if, I think that's what you happening. It's just like the, the frog in the boiling water over time, slowly, even with Monahan, same thing. Just like you just, and I think that this is, this is this guy's last shot under Sutter. So I really don't mind him calling these guys out. Um, I'm all for it currently. Okay. Last thing we went over Markstrom stats. He is starting tonight. But you even said this. Is this where you give Dave, Dave Riddick a run? Like, I don't know what Sutter's going to do. It seems like 
you know, he's doing one thing with the players, but I think the way he, he knows Markstrom's the better goalie. We all know Markstrom's the better goalie. So in the, in the small stretch we've seen Sutter, he's been pretty adamant in terms of, no, he's my guy. I'm going back to him. Look, I'm going to keep him in through seven goals when we get shellacked by the Oilers, and I'm going to go right back to him the next game. I like that. Um, but where are you at currently in terms of comparing the two goaltenders and what you think he should do? Well, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't have mind if you gave Dave a, a chance to, or just a bit of a run here, just because Marstrom has not been very good since returning from injury and has played a lot of games since then. And again, like I said, hasn't been very good. So I, I wouldn't have minded if, you know, Dave played really good the other night, give him a shot, give him a run tonight. On the same flip of the token, I have zero. Like you said, who's the better goalie? Who's going to give you a better chance to win tonight? Yep. Jacob Markstrom. He's your guy. <laughs> He's making the big money. I have no issue going to the guy. And again, Markstrom, if you're going to make the playoffs this year, it's going to be partially because Jacob Markstrom returns to form. Yep. I don't, I don't know much about the guy's previous seasons has he dipped before um you gotta think that he's gonna get back to form and when he does his numbers are gonna go back to average so that means he's probably gonna be really good would be my guess um i just don't know if he's done if this is something he does each season or what's going on essentially but i kind of feel like you know even even sutter said this right regarding last game you finally got some puck luck seemed like nothing was going your way. The team stunk too, but I don't know. Maybe that was because every season, every team kind of goes through it, right? For the most part, unless you're, you know, top five in the league. But every season, a team goes through a bit of a, a dud, dud week or two, a lull, right? And it just so happens that happened last week. Hopefully it's over, but Markstrom hasn't been great. No, he hasn't. And the like, the one take on it is the, like the fact that he maybe should get some rest. That was my only cause for like, okay, maybe you give Dave tonight's game and then give Markstrom a nice little break here. But yeah, we'll we'll see how he plays tonight. And I mean, it's not like the, the we seem to match up well against the Jets. So it's and, and I'm sure Markstrom will get because what do they have a set with Vancouver after this? I'm sure Markstrom gets. Well, that's the other thing too, is like, if they got a set against Vancouver tonight would have been a nice night to play Dave, I think, but whatever we'll see. I, I don't think, I don't think you're, you're hurting yourself too much. How many games are left in the season? Like I said, if you're going to win, Markstrom's going to be your guy. Like, can you imagine if, <laughs> if there's no way you're making the playoffs? If, if Markstrom's not your starting goal, I don't think so. Yeah, and let's say that unless that means that Dave Riddick is just unbelievable. Class. Yeah, yeah, but so, I, don't, I don't know if that's gonna happen necessarily either. So. Yeah, if you're you got a six million dollar goalie, I have no problem playing the shit out of him.